0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message titled, How Do I Have a Lasting Relationship with God? Let's join in now. If you have your Bible, take it to 1 John. And we are at the very end. So can you uh, just give yourselves a round of applause? You made it through the end of First John, right? Yeah. Well, that's if I don't put you to sleep in the first five minutes, right? Then uh, you will, you'll be able to say that you made it all the way through the book of First John. And uh, it's been a great book. It has been a fun book to teach. But I'm looking forward to next week when we kick off on Mother's Day, right? Mothers? Any mothers in the house who are excited? Yeah. Um, Mother's Day, we kick off our brand new series called Fun House. And it will be a six-week series to help your family do life in God's version. Sound like a good thing? It is. And so hopefully you have in your Bible there first John. If you're new to the Bible, just go all the way to the book of Revelation at the very end, start turning left, and you'll get in the first and second and third John right there. We're in chapter five, verses thirteen through twenty-one. And the question today is, how do I have a lasting relationship with God. Have you ever have you ever stopped and thought about that? How do I make it to the end? John, writing this book, we've talked about it, was an old man. Uh, was an old man. He was, could have been up in his 80s or 90s when he wrote this book. And he was looking back, and he was a guy who had made it. Do you ever um, stop and think about people who have made it in life? You look a little further past yourself, and you go, wow, they're, they're old and gray, and they've lived life, in a way that honors God and they've been successful they've kept their family together they've they've uh, had good character they have a good reputation aren't those people kind of enviable in a good way you know what I'm talking about when you look at them that's what we're talking about today but here's the problem we don't like longevity we don't like commitment at all in our society, right? In fact, we're so scared of it now that we spend $20 every time we go to Walmart to buy a digital item, right? You buy a new iPod, they say, do you want the warranty? Yes, because why? Because it may not last, right? You know, I added up last year. Do you know that I saved over $2,000 saying no to the warranty? Whoa, I'm looking at my bank account going, if I would have bought the warranties, I don't think I could eat, but I'd have a warranty, right? And so uh, we're scared, of commitment. And uh, I remember a time where commitment was a scary word to me. It was when Amy and I first started dating. Anybody have that experience where commitment was just like, I don't know. Well, here's what happened to me. And we joke about this now. And if you don't know, my wife and I, uh, my wife is Amy Carroll, right there. She does our children's ministry. And uh, they're re- really doing a great job. As a matter of fact, can we appreciate the children's ministry right now? Yeah. And if, and maybe if you're looking for a place to serve, if it's greeting, um, that would be great. Kids ministry needs some summer volunteers. I would encourage you to to plug in there and see Amy about it after service. But uh, that's not the point of the message. Here's the point of the message. Is that Amy and I went to visit her parents about a month after we started dating. And it was nerve-wracking for me. I was like, man, I've never traveled like four hours to meet somebody's parents before. I mean, this is kind of ludicrous. Well, one of the first few days that we get there, her mom takes us out to the mall to eat lunch, and <laughs> this is terrible. This is going to rock your world. This is going to blow your mind. You're going to wonder why we're s- I'm standing here with her. We're at the lunch table in the middle of this shop, you know, uh, shopping mall in the in the food section, food court, and <laughs> Amy's mom opens up conversation with this line right here. So. When you guys get married, I didn't hear a single word after that. we were dating for one. She goes, "When you guys get married, I think you should." And all I heard from there was whoa, 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 And all I heard was, "We're getting married. We get married. We get married." And I, this commitment. And I went. Amy after I said what was your mom thinking and she goes oh it's just my mom just let her be and she is the sweetest lady in the world and I love her to death today but that scared me and I feel like a lot of times as a pastor sitting up here I'm telling you things out of the Bible I'm helping you understand the Bible I'm having a conversation with you about biblical things and many times what you're hearing is oh no that's more commitment you're sitting across the table from the mother-in-law going I don't know if I, can, if I have that gear. I don't know if I can get there. I have too many problems in my life. Well, today in Scripture, we're going to learn how to have a lasting relationship with God and how to embrace biblical, godly commitment. So let's start with uh, point number one. If you're taking notes, you can uh, look on the back of your program, and you can fill in the blanks. It helps you follow along. I also encourage you to write any other things that God impresses on your heart. Today, and the first way that we have a lasting relationship with God is we grow for the purpose of longevity. Longevity, you know, in your faith in Christ, in your Christian walk. It's just it's not just about today, but it's about making today add up to tomorrow, add up to the next week, add up to the next month, and, until you turn around and look and you realize that you have had this great longevity in Christ. And you look and say, you know, I, I made it, I did it. And so here is the key scripture that we've been going through and saying aloud the entire series of this is how uh, this is what you, we should know. And and here it is. Let's read it together. 1 John chapter 5 and verse thir- 13. Ready? One, two, three, go. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, what's that word? Know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That's verse 13. And what is John saying? Right there, he's saying, you know what? I wrote this entire book for you. What was in this book? You may want to write these three things down. This is essentially what he said in the entire book of First John. It'll help you sum it up. He said, love God, love others, stay away from sin. Those are the three things. If you were summing up the entire book of First John, love God, love others, stay away from sin. And he said, I wrote these, things, these three things to you. So that you can continue on in the faith. So that you can grow into who God intended you to be. Now, if you're like me, you say, that's great. I know it. I got it. But how do I do it? Well, I have four words that I want you to consider on how to grow for the purpose of longevity in your faith in Christ. Number one is connect. Connect. Here at Elevation Church, we need to be a people who get to know each other. There doesn't need to be a Lone Ranger Christian, a Lone Ranger person here. No uh, superheroes who uh, are off by themselves saving the world. No, we're the church. We're a group of people. And when John was saying, love God, love others, he was saying that life is going to get messy sometimes. I mean, have you ever looked at other people and thought, I don't know if I want to get to know that person. They're a, little, they're a little off. Have you ever just felt that? And I know you probably felt that about me sometimes standing up here, right? Well, we need to get past the walls, past the barriers, and begin to truly love each other and to do life with each other. This is part of loving others. It's how you do it. That's how you actually do what John was asking the believers to do way back then and what he's asking us to do now. The second word is this, serve. Serve. Serving is so important because you know what one of the number one killers of longevity and faith in Christ is, of continuing to the end? It's selfishness. Can we all just admit that we're a little selfish sometimes? That we uh, we go outside of God's will, that we look for churches based on us. We uh, look for cities based on us. We do things that we like. When we're uh, you know, arguing with the family about what restaurant to go to. Why do we argue about it? Because we want to do what we want to do. We're just a a me type of people. We're a little selfish on the inside, and serving is so important. This is, catch this, catch it, because this is the heartbeat of Elevation Church, and this is what's going to radically change your life. Serving is the key that unlocks the door of the room of selfishness. You know what it does? It takes me out of me, land. It takes me out of my surroundings. And serving says, nope, now I exist for more than me. This is tough, isn't it? Isn't it tough to to think about, I exist for more than myself? Well, this is what serving does. Serving is a practical expression of what John tells us to do, and that's to love others. And here at Elevation Church, I want to give you a goal that we have. One hundred percent people serving, and you may go, Dave. I don't know about that. You know, I'll love others in my heart and in my mind. I don't know if I actually want to do anything. Well, the reason why we 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 we, uh, stress so much the act of service is that when we serve, we model Jesus. How did Jesus serve you? He didn't just step, you know, stay up in heaven and go. I think that I'll just go ahead and forgive their sin. He could have done that, right? He's God. He could have done that. He could have just made it a mental gymnastic. He could have made it a philosophical, theological exercise. But that's not what Jesus did when he wanted to love others and love the Father. No, he went to the cross, and he served. And when he did that, you know what happened when the nails hit his hands in the cross, and when he rose again, and when he ascended? We just celebrated all of that a few weeks ago. You know what happened? When he did that, He expressed his love for you and me in a word picture that would last for all of eternity. And when we serve, we're starting now to get the continuity and the commitment in our relationship with Christ that we need to last a lifetime. Here's the third word. Actually, it's two words. Grow biblically. Grow biblically. This is very, very important. If we're going to honor what John has, has said all, all through First John, remember this is kind of a recap here. Uh, and if you're just joining us, go back online and listen to some of the messages. But there's a difference between growing, saying, oh, I'm getting better. And, but there's a difference between growing and growing biblically. You see, what it is is the standard that you're going to set. I'm going to grow and begin to adjust my beliefs. I'm going to adjust my actions. I'm going to adjust my heartbeat. I'm going to adjust the people that I hang around to match who the Bible says that I should be, you know, matching. I'm going to not just grow in my faith and feel good about myself, but I'm going to grow biblically, very important. And here's the final way. The last word is give. And you said, Dave, are you talking about money? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Do you know why it's so important to give financially? Because when we, when we stroke a check, we're saying, God, I recognize I am not the provider of my life. I'm not it. I'm going to grow enough to trust you with even my money. You know, because isn't money the last thing that we want to grow toward godliness? You know, we're like, well, God, you can have everything. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my past. I'll I'll even go on a date with my wife and tell her I love her. But God, don't touch my wallet, right? That's how we go. But when we give... It honors God, and all of a sudden, we trust him. Why do we grow? Because it's an act of faith. And these are four words. You say, Dave, why did you pick these four words? Because this is a process we're going to begin to embrace as a church. Let's say them aloud together, the four words. One, two, three, go. Connect, serve, grow biblically, and give. Listen to Hebrews 3, verse 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation. This is what it says about growing for the purpose of longevity. For if we are faithful to the end... Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, right? We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Sum it up. For growing for longevity. This is what a lot of us do. It's like we're on a miniature golf course. My boys and I played miniature golf, and, and, you know, I don't always find examples from, like, the day before, but this worked perfectly. We got to hole number eight, and I was surely in the lead. I was beating my 10-year-old, my 9-year-old. I was beating like a drum, and I was feeling good as a dad, right? But hole number eight showed up. Hole number eight showed up. I hate hole eight, okay? I just want you to know, I hate hole eight over at Geyser Park. If you hit hole eight, skip it. It's a terrible hole. I get up there, and I'm thinking, oh, this is a straight shot. It was like, visually, it was like straight. There's the cut, boom. And what I didn't account for is that it was on an incline like this. And so I hit the ball, and I hit it a little too hard, right? A little too hard, a little too fast. It hits the back brick and bounces all the way back to the beginning. I thought, okay, this this isn't going to go well. And so I hit it again. I hit it again. And I end up tapping out on, before my boys even get to hit the ball, with a, full, with a full seven. Because of this whole, I tie my oldest son and I lose the game. And, and here's, here's what happens to a lot of us who are new Christians. We get excited. God. We find out, wow, God forgives us. We hit the ball. We hit it hard and fast. And it's like, we're going, oh yeah, I'm moving forward. I'm getting there. Hey, I'm going to sink it in the cup. I'm going to get it for God. And then all of a sudden we find the ball right back at the tee, right? And we're saying, wait a second. Why is that excitement gone? Why does it not feel like I've moved forward? Why why is the ball keep coming back? Why am I tapping out, going, okay, I'm I'm done this hole, I'm I'm gone, I've lost, no no big. Why is that happening? It's because we're not growing for the right reasons. We need to embrace commitment and put the goal that at the end of our lives, that is the hole. That's where we're gonna sink the putt in. That is the hole we're trying to get into. And if we got to even tap it along, right, just tap a little bit, tap a little bit, and move forward in Christ, that's what we need to do. Here's the second thing that Scripture tells us will help us have a lasting relationship with God. Let's read together First John chapter 5, verses 14, all the way through 17. And it is this, pray according to God's will. Pray according to God's will. This is what Scripture says. I love this. Grab onto this first. The stuff you're going through, this will help you. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, meaning God, that if we ask anything according to his will, that's huge, isn't it? Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, He will ask, and God will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. In other words, if you don't sin in a way where you stop breathing, there's hope for God to come in and change the heart. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Don't pray for dead people. You know, uh, this isn't really part of the message, but it's a great theological point. I know many of us come from many backgrounds. We've been taught a lot of different things. And here in Scripture, you see that it's pointless to pray for dead people. And, And you go, whoa, that's a pretty hard line. You mean... If people die without Jesus, they go to hell? Yes, that's what Scripture teaches. And, and some of us are taught that we can pray them back into heaven or pray them out of the ground. And that's just not what Scripture teaches. You see it right there. It says, I do not say that he should pray about that, meaning someone who is dead. And and you may say, Dave, I want to argue with you, but that hurts. Hey, I have family members too that I go, and it breaks my heart. Okay, I'm no different than you. I'm not in some line of uh, 100% of people who went to heaven, right? <laughs> But it's a a spiritual truth right there concerning our prayer. But let's let's move on for the purpose of a a lasting relationship with God. He tells us to pray according to God's will. And there are three words that will help us do this. Number one, write it down, confidence. Confidence. Remember how uh, I've told you before when we do verse-by-verse studies, some messages are theological, like they're doctrinal. Your head's going to hurt and go... Oh, man, that's kind of hard. Where do I apply that? And it's just stuff for you to know. Some messages are intensely practical. Some messages are kind of in the middle. Well, we have confidence with God by what we know. Our doctrine our belief systems, our our theology is very important because it tells us who we are in Christ. And we need to become Christians who don't check our brain at the door. Uh, This is why you hear me say I'm like a broken record player. And you know why I'm like a broken record player? Because inevitably about once a quarter someone gets mad at me and I go, oh! They get it, they understand. Things like, hey you can't just have Jesus come in your heart and then say, well is Jesus truly God? And you go, I don't know if he's truly God, but he saved me. doesn't work if you're if you're gonna have if you're gonna have Christ you have to come along with the beliefs in the Bible and when you do check it out when you do you get confidence in your relationship with Jesus you begin to understand what it's like and you know what it, the scripture says right here when you have confidence in the relationship look at verse 14 when you have confidence you can ask what kind of things anything anything. Why? Because now you have a better picture of what his will is. You're you're a little bit in better position to talk with God and have an educated conversation, right? And and say, God, these are the things I know are dear to your heart, and I'm going to pray about them. The second uh, thing that will help you pray according to God's will is to know, here's your next blank, God's will. Have you ever wondered why some prayers go unanswered? Prayer is a huge part, a huge part of a lasting relationship with God. And one of the reasons why we exit out on prayer and we exit out in a relationship with God is we have unanswered prayer. We we say, God, why hasn't my family been healed? You know, I gave my life to you. I I surrendered, and and it's just not fixed yet. I'm out. Or we say, God, it's been six months without a job. Or how come there's not enough money? And, And we start to say, God, I, I need something else. And we t- start telling God what we need, and it's not according to his will. You see, his timing and his will is perfect, but we have to have the patience. How do we have the patience? Through prayer. We talk to God about it. That is how we do it. That's God's will right there. And then here's the third thing, which goes a lot along with the giving and the serving mechanism from, from the first point, is others. We pray for others. How do we pray? We pray with confidence. We pray God's will, and we pray for others. I bet if God could reveal a poll, I would love to see this in heaven. I think I'm going to ask God this. If he could reveal a poll based on this question, I think all of our jaws would drop. God, how many prayers are prayed about myself? You know, all across the world. How many people are praying only for themselves? God, help me. God, help me. God, can I? Will you do this for me? Me, 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 me. I, I wonder what that percentage would be. I bet you it would be pretty high, right, if God took a poll. And uh, and what if the names were on the poll, right? And all of a sudden, he looked down, and, and we, our name was lifted up and said, Well, Dave, you're at 92% me prayers, <laughs> Whoa, it's kind of funny. Here's John. Remember, he's at the end of his life. I've said this before. He's an older guy. He's lived it. He's done it. He's bought the T-shirt. He's one of those guys in the enviable enviable position who live for Jesus all the way through. And he's telling you, when he's talking to you about prayer, he's saying, focus on other people. You know, one of the reasons why your marriage may not be healed is you've failed to pray for your spouse. One of the reasons... Why that deep prayer request, that depression won't go away is maybe you focus too much on yourself and you've failed to pray for others, right? Other people need to be a focus of who we are inherently in Christ. You may say, Dave, all this outward stuff. Yeah, Elevation Church, we're a church that recognizes that God is always looking out toward the other people. You know what? Even when God could have reconciled and made the whole thing about forgiveness and our sin, he could have made it about him. You know what he did? He went to the cross, and he made it about you. And on the cross, what did he say? How did he pray when he was on the cross, in the middle of serving, in the middle of giving everything? He said, Father, forgive who? Them. An outward focus of prayer. This is how we pray according to God's word. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. This will put a little context into the prayer, the Lord's prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us. When you pray... Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So pray like this. Let's read this aloud together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You see the elements of talking to God there? You see the confidence? You see the focus on God's will. You see the focus on others. You see the focus on the absence of sin. All of the things that John is mentioning here. But you have to talk to God. You know, Amy came home from a long trip. And she, I was talking to her. We were sitting across couches. And uh, she had a little experiment. I started talking to her, getting into the conversation. And she went like this. And she started looking at the TV. and I And I kind of stopped talking right there for a second. She goes how did that feel? And I went, uh, it feels like probably what you feel like every time you talk to me in the living room, right? And, and so there's this tension that happens where we have to give God our undivided attention and begin talking to him on a daily basis. Chances are, if you are starting to crack in your relationship with God and it doesn't look like you're going to make it all the way through because you're starting to like, have doubts and you're starting to have struggle and, and life is kind of just sideswiping you, Chances are you need to stop and talk to God in the three ways we just outlined. And here's the third and final way to have a lasting relationship with God. Let's read the final four verses. And we've completed the book, huh? Here we go. Verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Tough one, huh? But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Do you see the spiritual battle going on here? We know that we are of God and the whole world, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him as who is true and we are in him who is true and his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. I love this verse right here. and This is the lens through which we do our third point. Little children. He ends the whole book this way. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Here's your blank. Keep Christ first. You know, there's a big movement saying that we need to make God the center of everything. And And I get what that's talking about. It's talking about letting Christ touch everything, right? But I really love the concept in Scripture of not just having Jesus be the center of who you are. I love the concept of keeping Jesus number one. There's something about being number one, isn't there? You know, when you're number one, it implies that there's a number two. When you're the center, it kind of implies you're in a blob in the middle. And we need to learn to prioritize Jesus as the top to keep ourselves from idols. What is an idol? Anything that takes the place of God in our heart. Let me ask you, what is taking the place of God in your heart? What's fighting for it? What is it? What's, what's fighting for it? Oh, I, I want to keep Christ first, but here this thing keeps trying to grab it down and pull it to number two. I can't answer that question for you, but you know what it is between you and God, the, the idol that has the potential to pull Christ out of first place because we know that second place is what? Just first loser, right? That's what second place is. So every time you put Christ second, You've essentially made him the first loser in your life, and he wants to be first. Now, some of you in here are listening and going, I know my pastor is competitive, and if you thought that, you are right, okay? So how do you keep Christ first? Here's a, a run-on sentence for you with some blanks. Let's fill them in. This begins with worship. Keeping Christ first, it begins with worship, continues with my personal life extends to my family and becomes undeniable to everyone around me that is how we keep idols from grabbing first place in our life things that kill our commitment things that kill our ability to last all the way to the end of our life our last breath living for christ i said this begins with worship can i make a just a comment about how important worship is everything in your walk with God listen to this everything in your walk with God flows out of your worship to him you see if you walk in this room and you come in i there's not a, a exciting enough song that we can do to change just a stale heart for God But if you'll come in and say, God, today I'm walking in this room to give you everything. In fact, I want to get there on time. I want to get there early. In fact, I'm even going to make plans. If it's between um, something I could do on a weekend and something that I should do on a weekend, I'm going to choose something I should do, and that's worship God. I'm going to prioritize the worship of God, number one in my life. Why is that? Because just like John had said throughout the book that we need to love God. Why? Because God is love. When we worship God, we're expressing our love for him. And this now begins to trickle down. Are you ready for this? If you're not doing any one of these things, you're basically knocking the feet out of your longevity in Christ. It continues into your personal life. Yeah, we worship corporately, but now every day you spend time with God. You listen to God. You read his word. Many times worship is stale because we failed to be in a daily walk with God. It should affect your personal life. Here's the third way. It extends to your family. Do you know, one of my favorite days of the week, and I have to admit, your pastor, look, I wish I could tell you I was this disciplined machine that just did everything right every day all the time. I'm not that guy, okay? I'm a big, giant mess. I can, like, I can work 500 hours in a row if I had to as long as I got to sleep for like four months afterward. You know what I'm saying? That, that's kind of like my life, these big, giant pushes, and I wish it were different, and I try like crazy to, to, to be more disciplined. But here's what I know. My discipline and my ability to lead my family consistently is huge. My favorite day of the week is when we sit down in the morning at breakfast and open God's word. And that that's, it produces this consistency. Why? Because now my walk with God is not only about me, but it's about feeding those closest to me. God's word and I wish I could tell you I did that every day and honestly if I could get it done three days a week I'm like doing awesome you know and I'll I'll give like the awesomest three devotions in the world or two devotions Um, but every day I'm like I don't know does that mean we have to do it every day I don't know you know I'm just one of those kind of person I'm like that's not different that's not like Something out of the box. And and so it extends to our family. If you're not leading your family spiritually just with a couple minutes a day in God's word at a mealtime preferably, you're missing a great opportunity to cement your family's lasting relationship with God. If you don't have family at home, find some friends and get together and make it kind of your religion, if you will, to do it. And then here's what happens. After you uh, prioritize corporate worship and it continues your personal life and extends to your family, it then becomes, and this is a great chance, this is when you know that you're really making progress in your walk with God, it becomes undeniable to everyone around you. I love the stories where I hear a coworker come to Elevation and they look across the room and they go, hey, do you know so-and-so? I go, yeah. They go, I would have never guessed they're at church. And I went, oh, what what are you talking about? They're like, it's crazy. Like six months ago, they were a totally different person. And I've known this person for years. I've heard this story over and over since even just the first year that we've had the church where people go, that person is way different because Jesus has changed their life. And when you start getting to that point, you know that there's longevity, that there's commitment beginning to take root. Here's a simple test to know if you're keeping Christ first. If those closest to you had to describe you with one word, just one. Would they be able to consider any kind of word related to your faith in Christ? Would they be able to do it? Would they even be able to consider it? To <laughs> Say, wow, that person, that person has the character of Jesus. Wow, that person's Christ-like. Wow, that person is patient. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit starts getting rolled up. Man, that person has joy. Man, that person is so humble. That person is whatever it is. Could they consider it? And if not, then what you need to do is go back to these four things, worship your personal life, your family, and making it undeniable to those around you and start with the worship and start to piece your life back together to make Christ first. Now, living for Jesus is hard, isn't it? Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's not easy to do. I'm just like you. I have days that stink. We can even say, they're the worst days in the world. I have days that are awesome and everywhere in between. But here's what, as we close first on, here's what you need to know. The Christian walk is a marathon. It's something where you need to put little piece by little piece and let it add up to a lifetime of knowing Jesus Christ. I've known Christ. Do you know that, Can you believe this? People don't believe this very often. I've known Christ since I was six years old. That means I've been a Christian. Standing before you at 36 years old, I've been a Christian exactly 30 years i've been a follower of christ and i get people ask me sometimes they go how on earth have you you, you didn't really know you, you haven't been a christian 30 years tell me in high school you went off the deep end and you just like you partied it up had all the sex had all the boots tell, tell, please tell me you did and i look at him i go no and they and i know that at the risk of sounding unrelatable no I, I really didn't go that that route i didn't well what do you mean you didn't i went do you know it is possible It is possible to live for Jesus and to not veer off. Most of us go through life going, no, that's that's not possible. It's really just for like some super person. I told you before, I came from a plumber's family, okay? I didn't come from some like great line of pastors. I'm just an average guy. In fact, I'm one of the few Christians in my family, okay? And it happened. Now, it's by the grace of God. It's not because I'm some super person, but I can tell you this. You may have had the worst past in here and you, you can't relate to what I just said and went, well, that's not my life. I've blown it, right? I can tell you this. From this day forward, you can have the most rocking, awesome walk with God and you can live it out to the end, but you have to give it everything you got. As we come to a time of response, I want to ask you, Are you a person who's thinking about quitting on God or maybe backing off or kind of calling it, hey, we need some space, God? (laughs) Or are you a person who's willing today to say, you know what, as tough as my life has become or maybe the obstacles I have, the things I never anticipated, today I'm going to choose to not quit and to keep going until one day I look up and I'm in heaven with my Savior and make that the goal. You see, most of the time, the reason why we fail to have that lasting relationship with God is for one simple reason. We're setting the goal at the 20-yard line when God is saying, nope, I want it all the way to the end zone. Don't quit. Don't stop. And as we come to a time of response, I invite everyone to take out your connection card. If everyone would, just take that out. This is a time where we do business with the Lord. A time where you can write some prayer requests down. Maybe today is the day where you... Ha- Say, you know what? I've not just quit. I've never even started. And I need to begin a brand new, fresh relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. And he rose again on the third day. And if you believe in that and trust in him for your salvation, you can be saved. You can have a personal relationship with God. If, if that's you today, would you check that box on the card and let us know that you're at least thinking about it or want to talk to someone? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.